I thought I played a game, but I guess I didn't. Really? <laughs> what did you think you played? I can't remember. I feel like I played a game recently. You did. You definitely did. I didn't. Okay. I do. It is May 20th, 2015. This is Idle Thumbs 211. I am Chris Remo. I'm James Spafford. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Danielle Riendo. Jesus, 211. That's a big sounding number. I know. Isn't it crazy? <sighs> Scared so me. many episodes. Yeah, I know. So many memories. So many. <laughs> so many memories. 210 memories. Oh, yes. Plus over 210 memories. That's our, that's no, our, retros- memories. That's our <laughs> retrospective <laughs> on episode 210. Yes. <laughs> well, I didn't hear it, so I'd be interested in that uh, retrospective. Yeah. So how's it going, guys? It's going really well. Yeah? I'm yeah. playing a really cool game. What is it? I want to tell you all about it. All right. Well, I want to hear <laughs> all about it. <laughs> I've been playing a, a big, a triple A game, okay. The Witcher 3, oh, The Wild nice. Hunt. Man, I've heard actually really good things about this. Yeah, it's, okay. it's quite good. All right. I never know what to expect from these games because I had a real tough time. I tried getting into both of the first two Witcher games and j- just didn't, you know, I don't yeah. know. I, For whatever reason, I didn't connect with the world like a huge amount. And then as a result, there I wasn't as sort of invigorated to push past some of the mechanical stuff that felt a little awkward to me. Sure, I think this one is a little bit more a little bit more accessible. Did you play the the first two? I did not. You would describe okay. it as downgraded. I would describe it as a baby game for babies, uh-huh. and uh, it's too easy. For, like no. console noobs. Because it's for console gamers, they've never seen real breasts before. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, but this is a deep cut. There were a series of ads in video game magazines in the late '90s that were like insulting console gamers by saying. Yeah, there are gamers out there, and then there are gamers who've seen real breasts, and it was for how PC what? gamers are real gamers. What? I am not what? even joking. Okay. This what? is a real thing. I totally buy that. For? Who placed the ad? I don't even remember what they were advertising, but I was very offended as a 14-year-old It's probably girl. for Daikatana or something. <laughs> yeah, it, probably. I mean, it was that era. It was like 98, that's, 99. That's incredibly strange. It is. I, I, was, <laughs> I was so insulted. I was so insulted. I was like, I know what they look like. I got very mad. Anyway. This game has nothing was to that, do wait, with sorry, that. Was that in a magazine? Yes, it was in like Electronic Gaming Monthly for for several months. In Which the was late a 90s. console-oriented magazine, it's, anyway. It sure was. I think it was a it was a make you mad, get you to pay attention, attitude era kind of ad. Yeah. Anyway, you will see breasts in this game, in fact, but uh, that's uh, that's not really the draw, I don't think. So, The Witcher Three is in. Uh, open world action RPG set in a sort of medieval fantasy world. There's a whole fiction behind it. I know that the, there are books behind it. There's like a whole fantasy lore behind it. I honestly don't care that much about it. I think the writing is decent enough and the characters are well written enough that it, I'm interested in the characters, if not the massive amount of lore in this giant open world, mm-hmm. basically. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of plays the way I keep thinking of it is a more mechanically interesting Dragon Age Inquisition, which I enjoyed that game. I didn't think the gameplay was terribly exciting, but I enjoyed it for the mm-hmm. writing. Sure. This feels much more like 
for example, the crafting system is actually very robust. You have mm-hmm. to craft alchemy recipes to make sort of uh, oils to put on your swords before you fight certain kinds of monsters. It, it helps to have, you know, the specter oil before you fight ghosts or the beast oil before you fight beasts. Things like beast that. Beast oil. Yeah, you got to get that beast <laughs> oil right there. Things like that are, are, are a big part of the game. Who Traversal's market, who a big part of the game. Who markets oil? I, well, probably the same people who say real breasts. You need that before yeah. you fight Warren Spector also. <laughs> <laughs> you got to drink down that, that Warren Spector oil. That's good, delicious stuff. This Gross. podcast is sponsored by <laughs> yeah. Spectre Oil. Warren Spector. Spector. <laughs> Buy my oil. Yeah, my, my delicious oil. Drink my oil. <laughs> I'm War Inspector, and I approve this message. <laughs> you want to fight ghosts? <laughs> it's possible. So I'm probably 10-ish hours in or so. I'm doing a series of videos like how to beat these side mm. quests. You, you take all these contracts. You take witcher monster contracts because you are a witcher, which is in this world a person who has mutations that give you supernatural powers so you your line of work is to sort of hunt down monsters and hunt down apparitions and things and so on and so forth oh i always assumed it was someone hunting witches is that just a stupid thing to assume (laughs) you are the witcher in this game you're not hunting the witchers there are witch hunters in this world that's a wait are there witch hunters or witcher hunters yeah (laughs) which is it so far i've only seen so you're a witch do they just call witches witchers (laughs) you're not exactly a witch i guess uh you're you like, have powers. You're like witcher than a witch. You're, you're, yeah, you're a witcher than a witch. You're more, more witcher more than witch, witch, yeah. you know. The witchest. <laughs> which are you? Witcher or witch? And these jokes were probably all made like five years ago whenever the first yes. witcher came, whenever witch came out. <laughs> which one? Which witch? <laughs> which one are you talking about? Ugh. Sorry. Okay. Here's here's the real thing I'm enjoying the most about this game. It, just every quest so far that I've taken, again, still in the first 10 hours or so, but every quest so far that I've taken has been really different and at least somewhat interesting enough to hold my attention. I did a, I actually streamed last night on our channel and I had a, <laughs> I had a quest where I had to basically do a, a escort mission with a goat named princess and had to kill a bunch of bears and things so that princess could get to her supernatural owner happily. And then immediately <laughs> after that, there was this incredibly wrenching emotional scene with, uh, that had to do some family domestic abuse and all these other things which of course also involved a demon baby it's just all over the place and i actually really like that in this game it's interesting there's always something else going on and i have not gotten bored yet with this big crazy ridiculous world that it's kind of put before me (laughs) yeah so yes goats named princess Demon baby ghosts, all sorts of good stuff. Warren Spector. Warren Spector. Warren Spector, his oil. <laughs> his delicious it's oil. It's basically an oil tycoon game. But it's, yes. <laughs> yes. it's basically about farming oil, yeah, drilling kind of oil. Like, kind of like how, of how Fable 2 was like secretly a real estate management game. And <laughs> you're really just oil an oil merchant. An oil baron. That's what it is. Is there snake oil? It just it doesn't help you kill snakes. <laughs> Just or would it? It doesn't it, really do anything. It doesn't do much. Yeah. <laughs> snake oil costs a lot, and you enchant your sword with it. It just—it's just the same sword. As yeah, you use it on a snake, and it snake oil do work. God. <laughs> this guy's selling me. Oh, does it make your sword like tastier? Like, is it? The, what? Like, make it tastier? <laughs> what are you? Yeah. I don't know. Like, How would you oil? know? Eat my blade. I don't know. <laughs> How? What would one? Do you not taste my blades? blade? 
I mean, that's oh what God. I say. Were you making a taste my blade joke? Yes, no. <laughs> now I am. I thought you were. <laughs> it was a very on-blade comment. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is terrible. This is a terrible podcast. <laughs> yeah, so this sorry, is bad. No, sorry, <laughs> sorry we ruined Idle Thumbs forever. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> this game, like I said, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah. There's a lot of variety. There's a lot of good stuff there. To me, it kind of fills in the gaps where Dragon Age was kind of iffy for me. Like, I enjoy Dragon Age. I'm talking about the one that came out last year, Inquisition, right. I guess. What, yes. what were the parts of it that you feel that way I about? just thought the combat was so boring yeah. in Inquisition. I, like, I kind of felt the same way. I played it for a few hours. Yeah. Which I know is not long enough to really, like, fully get a game like that. But The real Dragon Age combat comes in at hour 35. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. As anyone who has seen breasts can attest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it did, it did feel very rote. Yeah, the combat in that game, the sort of just like you you've locked on and it just kind of loops and goes, and yeah. you feel like you want it to be. You feel like because you can pause and issue orders and do these things, you feel like you want it to be tactical. But I never really ended up doing anything other than sort of kiting enemies while sure. like just shooting them whenever my stuff cool, whenever my spells cooled down. Yeah, you know? I kind of I kind of got a little bored with the combat there, and I I kind of did the same thing with that game. I played I played a few hours of it, and I also sort of watched Patricia play the entire thing, so I felt like I got the full. Experience. I also played the sections she didn't want to play. Like whenever she was in a puzzle room, she's just like hand me the controller. I was whenever like, okay. she, whenever she got to a boring combat part, she'd give it to me to play. <laughs> yeah, pretty that much. game has some boring combat. I, I have such a good opinion of this. Combat. How in a, how in a nutshell does combat work in The Witcher? At least in The Witcher Three, because my only experience with The Witcher actually was playing like a twenty minute demo of The Witcher One at E three <laughs> a decade ago, and I remember going, mm. "Oh, that looks like there's some interesting stuff." But this game is not for me at all, so yeah. I kind of have tuned it out. But um, like, what generally do you do? Generally, what you do, I, I <laughs> do you do, do you do you do the do in your Witcher game? I think of it as Bloodborne Light, especially coming off of Bloodborne, which, yeah. by the way, I. I'm neck. I am just about to beat. I have one boss left oh, nice. to beat Bloodborne. And when I finally finish the game, I actually want to talk a little more in depth about it. But I won't yeah. do that till I actually finish okay. the game. Yeah, I was going to ask how it, maybe this compares to playing hundreds and hundreds of hours yeah. of Bloodborne, which is like super intense. <laughs> yeah, this is a lot less intense, but mechanically somewhat similar. I mean, with with less Bloodborne is such a rigorous game, and it's very consistent about its rules. It's very difficult. This is a lot more user-friendly, but it's kind of the same general idea. You lock onto an enemy, you can sidestep, it's even kind of the same button. You're, you're sort of getting out of the way, you're timing your attacks, you're parrying, which is the same exact system as in Bloodborne, just you don't have a gun, you're just using your sword instead uh, to parry attacks in this. Um, and it's, it's sort of the same general idea in terms of there are enemies who will try to swarm you, there are enemies that are really powerful and you're going to take on one at a time or two at a time. They, ha they kind of have very basic tactics, but it feels very similar. You're sidestepping, you're slashing with your weak attack, you're slashing with your strong attack. So. <laughs> Bloodborne Light. Sure. <laughs> with Dragon Age, but better. I know, that's the worst, most reductive way of explaining games. It's just, I, meets, I played meets, so meets. much, yeah, I know, I just played so much Bloodborne that everything is going to be a comparison yeah, yeah. No, right now. Fair. So. Well, and I feel like it's uh, I guess this applies more to Dragon Age than, than Bloodborne, but you know, RPG RPGs of this type tend do tend to sort of resemble each other in the yeah. broad strokes. So, you know, yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's fair enough to to put it on that spectrum. It's a big medieval fantasy world where there's well, and the combat is usually like of a and, yeah. rough type. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, know. it's 
medieval combat, right? Yeah. It's swords and sorcery and axes and spells. So accurate medieval combat. Yes, very accurate. Is <laughs> oil <historical>. spells? <laughs> little goats. Uh, there, little there's some interesting. This is always sort of the thing I notice. Of course, there's some interesting stuff with regards to gender in this game. There is a mm. a woman Witcher who you play as for part of the game, oh, and I don't okay. think this is much of a spoiler. I'm pretty sure they. Explain this is that like someone who witches women, or it's a, a woman who is a witcher? <laughs> she is a witcher. Okay, she is herself a witcher, or, or mostly a witcher. She trained to be a witcher. Whatever. She's a witching basically a witcher. woman. She's a witchy woman, is what <laughs> she is. Uh, so you can kind of play as her, at least some parts of it. And the the sort of the world explains that it sucks to be a woman in medieval times, which is like, oh, at least you're acknowledging it. I, I'm going to give you, you know, some points for well, that. Does it- Say that when you're like choosing your gender at the beginning of the game, like <laughs> deep yeah. man you're or a woman. A woman. <laughs> Note it sucks to be a woman. Hard, hard <laughs> mode enabled. That's like, got those like Patrick Stewart voice. <laughs> it sucks to be a woman in medieval age. <laughs> that would be As so the lovely. Like UI selection sound plays <laughs> underneath that. Right, yeah, exactly. Horribly <laughs> kind. I thought he said a woman of medieval age. <laughs> <laughs> that sure sucks too. <laughs> Is there an age slider? The Bethesda games have that. There is in Bloodborne, but not in. Oh, in Bloodborne, yeah. Oh man, those games are crazy. The Witcher shit. games yeah. seem like the, the particular character that you're playing as is an important thing to, the, to that game more yeah. than. It's oh yeah, true. yeah, for you're sure. Playing yeah, a no, character. I know. Yes, it's true. I know. Would you have to play this character or the old version <laughs> of that character? That would be so awesome. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Totally down for that. It's yeah, a specific yeah. character, but you just choose how old that person <laughs> is when this story starts in their life. Otherwise, they're the same guy. Yeah, it's all Geralt. They always look good when you make an old person, like in Bloodborne or something, and they look old. But then they just have the spry movement of a 20-year-old combat veteran. They never break their hip, no matter what. And it's like, you would have. It would be more fun. You'd you'd have a broken hip right now. In In my just, like, ongoing fantasies of games that have, like, one out of a thousand random chances of things, if you passed a certain age threshold in one of those games and it just silently, like, at that point, there's just a one out of a thousand chance your hip will just break. Randomly, <laughs> <laughs> you swing your sword. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. There That's are... it. That's the only thing. It's not balanced in any they way. They just need to do the, the the like the fight scene in The Incredibles with the giant robot, where just there is a random roll that you'll just throw out your back, oh, and yeah. then if you yeah, keep yeah. fighting, there's a random roll that you'll also like <laughs> like just do a chiropractic <laughs> move that puts it back, and then you're fine again. Right. Oh man. So you just get hobble mode for a while until you like, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. someone throws you over their shoulder and it happens to like realign your spine <laughs> for you. <laughs> Carries you off in a sack, but then you can rip out of it again. Are there any move. multiplayer games that do stuff like that? Where that just... have you be an old man? No, I mean, <laughs> old man I'm guessing the answer to that is no. But I just mean when you describe that, it made me just imagine a multiplayer game where just things happen to your character at random intervals that are unpredictable that just force you to have to adapt and play in a different way. Just... <laughs> On the fly. That feels like a variation that you'd want to something like Gang Beasts, where you can also just press the old (laughs) mode, and then everyone also just has that crap happening to them. They all have a broken one broken hip. I think it would be a cool like mutator for an Unreal Tournament game or something like that. You know, something where it's like very fluid and everyone's moving around really fast, and then suddenly just like a crazy. I bet. I bet. Although that would be fun, it would be deemed incredibly unpopular because the competitive scene would never turn it on. Yeah, Mm. it's true. I mean, I guess maybe that's not the best game for it because those games are so so cutthroat and sort of. you know, balanced, but I don't know. It's just that, that it wouldn't, obviously I don't actually mean like break your hip or like crick, crick your neck. I just mean like, uh, something that just applies a modifier on a completely random. Right. As opposed unknown. to like smash brothers where there's 
things that randomly modify the game, but it's items that everyone then races for. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 You'd be well, wanting like, to play Team Fortress 2 when suddenly just one guy gets a huge beefy arm out of the right. middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. World of Warcraft does stuff like that, in, but only in specific occasions, like in raid bosses and stuff. Like they'll oh, really? just put a weird debuff on a couple of people and oh, own, yeah, only yeah, yeah. like oh. a druid can right, heal that right. person of a thing. Yeah, 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 that's true. Um, yeah. And that happens that stuff know, is actually That stuff is actually fun because it yeah. lets you feel like a team because you have to react to unpredictable things. Yeah, I, 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 I remember stuff. that from way back in the day. Yeah, the team-based stuff in that is super good. And yeah, all of those random things. When you're talking about first-person shooters having that... I'm, was it Action Quake? Did you ever play Action Quake? I Shake? only played a couple rounds of Action Quake in my life. I remember that, that you could break your leg if you jumped slightly too <laughs> there high, were, there but were, then that, you hobbled around. That was sort of a thing. Leg. In those, there, was like, there, was a, there were a lot of Quake mods in sort of the pre-Counter-Strike era that were yeah. like referred to as like realistic, even though they were really actually... <laughs> right. Like they were descendants of Action Quake, which is actually trying to be an action movie. But yeah, there was all about like if you... If you take too much fall damage, you would just like your camera would tip to the side, you'd break your leg, then you'd have to stop and bandage, or you'd have to go get a bandage or whatever, depending on the thing, or else you would just be bleeding out of your leg and limping around. Um, <laughs> or just like lying on the floor. You're just lying on the ground. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like left for dead when you're just knocked out oh, yeah. and you're yeah. just like lying that, on the floor. It's, it's different though than the game just suddenly saying, now your character lilts 30 degrees to the right and you have to keep compensating for it, or else you'll just walk forward in a circle when you press W or something. <laughs> like just, yeah. you know, that, that, um, that doesn't happen. But it should. But it should. That's the kind of multiplayer stuff that I actually like, especially in first-person stuff, because I just like dumb land party play when someone turns all the gravity yeah. off or whatever else. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but that's always good. God, I think it was Heretic 2 There was a multiplayer. Is Heretic 2 the one where you could, like, pole vault? Does anyone even remember this stuff? <laughs> God, like... <laughs> wait, Heretic, like Heretic 2? Because there was I only Hex played... No, I it wasn't Hexen. Oh, I remember Hexen. Oh, it was Yeah, oh yeah, because it was, it was it, which one came first, Heretic or Hexen? I cannot remember. Whatever. The, yeah. One of those games is a sequel to the other one. Anyway, in one of those games, the, there was a chance that you could turn into a giant chicken whilst <laughs> playing Deathmatch. And then that was similar to that. Like, oh, I'm a huge chicken now. <laughs> you just you have just to run around pecking yeah. people. Yeah, you just have to deal with that for a while. <laughs> Hexen's subtitle was Beyond Heretic. Oh, perfect. <laughs> those were by Raven. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I played Hexen 64. Oh man, that was a game. Good. <laughs> Let me tell you, of that era, you know, was also Doom sixty four, and there's a new Doom coming. Oh yeah, did, did you guys read see that? The, the trailer for that? Yes. No, I saw the two seconds. It was totally flash weird because it just looked <laughs> like it? more Doom three ish stuff, right? I mean, obviously it's like. Oh, is it just Doom four? Yeah, Doom four was announced and almost appeared, and then was like it was suppressed. It sort of its face was pushed down back onto yeah. the pool. Yeah. Um, there's like, oh, what yeah. Doom I 4, I don't know just, what that is. They just blinked up for air another I think in, time. As is fashionable these days, they're, I think they're just calling it Doom. Which is oh. just what you oh, do really? now, I guess. Yeah. Reboot. But the, 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 gritty reboot. The teaser was just like two seconds. Doom sure needed a gritty like, reboot. It was too happy. <laughs> yeah. First, well, no, but it's not a re... It doesn't look... It literally just looks like a direct... It looks like Quake 4 or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just... Or Doom 3. It, Brown. It's a first person shot of a guy reload of, of a guy reloading a shotgun. The Doom guy, I guess, reloading a shotgun. And then it's three seconds of a demon with like rocket launchers on his shoulders is going... <laughs> and it's and it's just and then it's all instantly over. Man, and that's such a bummer. That's all you like, need. This now in this year right now, you could get away with a bold as fuck yes. Doom that actually evokes the color palette and the weird yeah. architecture yeah, of old really Doom, could. and oh, people be would be awesome. all over it. Like weird, I would weird rusty things with crazy hell in the background and just like skull crayon pixel demons. Skull. Just yeah. all that weird shit, <laughs> and then you know just weird. 3D hollow displays over the top of it. Just yes. yeah, fucking go crazy. Yep. Or 
a, like a gray like corridor. Him. Yeah. Did you play Far Cry Blood Dragon? Did you yes. ever check that out? That yeah. had like I mean, a I know, good. I know what it is. I know of it. Yeah. yeah. That that was You're a good right. attempt to doing Doom. a thing. Right. I mean, that cutscenes. It was amazing. Yeah. I. I didn't think that game was very funny, which made me no. not want to play it. But that's why I exactly. Like I mean, I think you can, if you look, or if you look at like the crazy visual direction that was at least proposed. I don't know if they stuck with it for the updated Unreal Tournament, where it was just like bold, weird visual I don't design. Think it's out yet? No, I don't think it is either. Yeah. But you, like, why not do a Doom game that's crazy, bold looking? Mm-hmm. Why not? No, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, that would be just, awesome. Who's, no one's gonna buy. No one's gonna buy this Doom. And like, I mean, people are, but <laughs> the same will. number of people are probably gonna buy it if it looks exactly right. like it does right now, or if it has crazy shit on top of anything that they're doing right now. People would like whatever. Well, that yeah, I mean, this is a case where that game has been in development for a really long time, and it's hard to imagine. Just based on how ID has been doing recently, it's hard for to imagine. It's hard to imagine them like doing the same stuff they've just kind of been doing for the last several years suddenly being like an incredible yeah you know i yeah. like sucks to say because there's so much history in that studio but like i don't know because like i i went back at, or i only saw it on your phone when you were waving it around but the the space station stuff in the magic circle oh, oh yeah yes. a triple a version of that aesthetic basically but with oh, the man, old doom yeah. color palette oh my god yeah. Where they're just not afraid to have dark rooms that then suddenly just have weird bands of neon light around doors mm-hmm. and like computer consoles that are three times brighter than everything else and just strange stuff in the yeah. skybox. Like yep. that's what I always think about when I think about the aesthetic of Doom. Oh yeah, but, for sure. You know, whatever. I'm sure yeah, it'll have delicious. a pixelated John Romero head somewhere in it. <laughs> yeah. You could type I D D Q D or whatever. Mm-hmm. Be like id clip. You could type id s p i s p o p d or whatever. I don't remember which one that is. I don't remember any. I remember all the cheat codes that you type in at the beginning, but I don't remember which things they all what do anymore. Do? Yeah. Here's the big head. If mode. you type that into those into Doom Three, then it just said you have a good memory. <laughs> really? Yeah. This is weedy little. That's and so just cheeky. in the console, it just went. <laughs> really? That's it. <laughs> oh, we've talked about this before. That's like if you type shift f u n d into sim ant. I think it's like you have ten thousand dollars. They just says that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, good. Those yep. little programmer jokes from the olden days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the olden days of Do people Doom, ship yeah. cheat codes still. I think we've probably talked about this before. But Grand I Theft Auto is all like Rockstar games are all about cheat codes, mm. right? That's all about like guess, mash know. a million buttons on your controller, then sort of type a crazy thing, and you can spawn whatever vehicle you want into the world or whatever. But then if you abuse them, your star rating goes up. Like those games are those games have a ton of the sort of old school mm. cheat stuff of just spawning whatever like car you would. want. Those or, games are a yeah. weird combination of like yeah. trying to be very stylish in a modern way, but then also like. Just including weird old shit. I think they also yeah. know that people obsess over those games so much that they can put that sort of stuff in, and there's going to be a big enough community amongst their customer base who just gets into like finding all the weird cheats. Yeah, that's yeah, the same I'm way sure that they have like true. the UFO legend and all that. Oh, and the weird, and stuff yeah. like weird that. stuff yeah. hiding off in the deep fringes of those games. Mm-hmm. The weird stuff. The mm-hmm. UFO legend. Yeah, there's the UFO. I guess. I don't okay. Know. Um, this is something my girlfriend writes about extensively. About the legends in Grand Theft Auto. Oh the man, about like GTA shit. urban myths. Speaking, yes. of, speaking yes. of something that she wrote about recently, uh, I the, she wrote about um, God. What game was it? Kanye Quest. Ka- yeah, Kanye Quest. <laughs> oh man, this that thing. Like, oh, yeah. RPG that came out like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just some indie, some little indie game that just looks. It's in the sort of SNES RPG style. Yeah, it was style. an RPG maker game. Yeah. yeah. So it's it another thing like, that looks to me like it's of the same culture of Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that, that's that's the sense I got as well. Maybe slightly less yeah. bonkers than that, but like, but definitely in that vein. I mean, it's called Kanye Quest, right? So, obviously. <laughs> um, 
And and Patricia Hernandez at Kotaku published this crazy story um, about a, a like secret, just <laughs> component, like just area yeah. in this game that has been present ever since the game shipped because the actually like executable downloadable file hasn't been updated since 2013. So like this has not been patched in. Right. There's no uh, like injection that happened apparently. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's. If you, I don't even remember what you do. You have to like. It's a super weird thing. So the game is about your Kanye taking out the trash, and then you get transported by a wormhole to 2030, and it's all clones of famous rappers like Tupac and Biggie are in it, and Jay Z, whatever. Mm-hmm. And in this one room where the clones are or something, there's a console, and if you if you say ascend into the console, if you type in ascend, oh, right. which is based on like. This, cult thing and yeah, the ascension cult <laughs> yeah it's based on like other material previously that like yeah that 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 there's there's no indication to do this except that like someone just tried it one time but you can Basically, type anything yeah. in like you can type anything into well there's console. there's like an obscure message that vaguely has the word ascend in it that you can find yeah, earlier in the game on, even right, though it's but not it like be connected very, to this it would be yeah. very yeah. hard to connect those dots because yes. there's this thing later on that you can that you type in no matter what you type in it goes oh you want to like whatever you typed in, me too. Like, and you can type anything in there, and it makes no difference. And so, there's no reason to assume that there was like a secret word. Yeah. But someone just decided to try it, and it just like unlocked an area of this, the game. This in just bonkers secret room where it's there like are the all these terminals that, with passwords. And it's this like person, the world keeps getting darker and darker yeah, and darker. darker the the, the more password. terminals you, yeah. yeah, weird. And then if you enter all these passwords into these in this dark room that you can no longer see where you're going. It'll it'll contact you. It'll say something like, "This is an experiment. We want to see you. you must be an open-minded individual. Can we contact you? Can we change things in your life?" And it's very ominously worded. Can we change things in your life? As in, like it knows where you live or something. <laughs> well, you have to give it your address, right? Yeah, you have to give it your, your address. Like, address. <laughs> and it's it's so creepy. It's so bizarre. So somebody somebody tried this, and you know. They're nothing like, yet. Nothing yet. <laughs> that they, <laughs> they know. Say, Within two weeks, we will change something in your life, and it's just like, what? The hell? It's, it's Hopefully, the game just uninstalls itself in two weeks. <laughs> I mean, the thing via is- the developer of the game coming to your house and uninstalling the game. I <laughs> uh, couldn't figure out how to make it uninstall through the software. Sorry, delete local <laughs> content. There we go. Okay, bye. <laughs> Want to get a coffee or something? No, all right. <laughs> well, it's so creepy and it's about Kanye. it. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's Kanye who did it. It's all Kanye. It's so weird up. about this. She found this, you know, in in a message board or something, and then was like, "All right, this is probably bullshit." And then she did it, and she replicated it like twice. And she was telling me it was like three in the morning. She was like, "I'm afraid that these people are going to find out where we live." Like this is really <laughs> creepy. I mean, she didn't give the address or anything, but it was just like the creepy moment of right. like putting in these passwords, and this yeah. thing is actually working. This creepypasta from the internet is a real thing in this game it's very very bizarre we live interesting lives i guess <laughs> <laughs> playing video games man that thing's weird did they yeah. actually conclude what was happening we there was a talk of it being a cult or something like a recruitment to well, like an actual thought? reality yeah. that seems a little much yeah, I like the idea that a cult is like, how do we recruit people? Make a joke <laughs> RPG where you play as Kanye. Yeah, I know. That's why I was like, that's the end of the article. that nobody will find for <laughs> right. years. <laughs> then, yeah, put a thing in the game that it'll take people two years to find. A very selective cult. Yeah. yeah. It's a cult of one. 
I would love if this was somehow connected to Kanye in some way that he's like, you know, really, really interesting. We did this thought experiment. (laughs) Yeah. He would probably be the kind to do it. That's what I'm saying. He's this weird fucking like burlap bag clothing line. (laughs) I'll let you use my likeness in this game, but (laughs) (laughs) you have to put this thing in. (laughs) Still one idea. (laughs) Yeah. I have this Ascend cult that I'm starting. (laughs) Ascend Kanye. Might take people years to find it. I don't care. <laughs> it was intended Someone to be a it. promotional launch thing for title, but they no one found it quite in time. <laughs> the thing you get in the mail is a one month subscription card to the title music <laughs> streaming service. <laughs> Your life will change. Yes. It sure will. Never be the same after that. You guys want to take a break? Yes. Yeah. Nah. Video game. Thanks to Audible for sponsoring this podcast. Audible is the leading provider of audiobooks on the internet. You can go to audiblepodcast.com slash thumbs for a free 30-day subscription and a free book of your choice to keep forever. A free audiobook, that is. Yes. Um, Spaff, you actually recommended an audiobook to me I just did. a couple of days ago. You recommended... Uh, Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett actually was turned into a multi-part radio drama by the BBC, and mm-hmm. it is available on Audible, and oh, it's great. That's cool. I it's, read that book. But it I didn't stars know that. Uh, Mark Heap, who you may know from Spaced, the Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg show, and Peter Serafinowicz, who you might also know from that same show <laughs> or a lot of other uh, like British comedy. They're super good as man. the two main characters, but the the whole cast is great. It's a yeah. a good performance. If you, I mean, if you. Have or haven't read that book? It's it's a different it's an adaptation to to radio play. But or if you just like Neil Gaiman or Terry Pratchett and haven't read that, it's a, it's a great way to hear that story. Yeah, it's super cool that there were um, radio dramas also on Audible. Like I didn't yeah, know cool. that, that was there. A good listen. Anyway, check it out. audiblepodcast.com slash thumbs. Nice video game. Thanks also to returning sponsor MeUndies, as you surely know. A provider of high-quality underpants, uh, T-shirts, all kinds of good undergarments. Very attractive and stylish, we have found. And comfortable. And extremely comfortable, yes. I can attest to that. Um, if you go to MeUndies.com slash thumbs, you can get 20% off and free shipping. Buy a bunch of underpants. I'm going to get some. I need some, some oh, new yeah. MeUndies. There you go. Now's I'm your go chance. Check it out. Underpants, socks, shirts, boxers, boxer briefs, briefs. And yeah, they have new styles that come out like on a monthly basis. Um, they have some very outrageous styles. But of, they also have cl- classic. <laughs> yeah, tasteful, basic. Taste, tasteful. Oh, yeah. They have tasteful styles and outrageous styles. Yes, exactly. I like. The they have thought, styles that are tastefully outrageous, one might even say. I like the thought that you would find any style of underpants outrageous <laughs> i'm outraged by these if styles you were to see them those are outrageous <laughs> yeah 20 percent off and free shipping on an order if you go to meandies.com slash thumbs thanks meandies you're welcome chris i'm the voice of meandies new announcement Video game. we're back oh man are we back <clears throat> whoa we're super back Spot i played a video you game play a video oh you, you said that. i said it <laughs> i played a video game i played a game called Cosmophony. Cosmophony. I don't know how to pronounce it. Wow. Cosmophony. <laughs> Cosmophony. Um, it isn't particularly new, but it just came out on PS4 this week. Um, I think it's been on Wii U and PS3 and Android and iOS. Um, 
and it's a drum and bass kind of beat matching shooter thing. The best way of describing this is the most annoying way that you told me earlier by combining <laughs> genres. But Jake, oh, meets meets meets. Do you remember Sonic the Hedgehog 2's special stage? <gasps> yeah, the one where you're running on the sphere that's a the grid. Half pipe. No, no, no. Sonic 2's the half pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the one in, uh, in the yeah, pipe. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry, so, which is Sonic One? The one where you're on the on the yes, giant checker yeah. sphere. Okay, sorry. No, that's Sonic Three. Sonic One is. Oh, Sonic the, like, One is you're just in a rotating one. grid yeah. of, oh, of were, fish and stuff. Yeah, weird birds and shit. Okay, yeah, yes. yeah. So uh, Sonic Two, the one where you're running down a pipe. The half pipe. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that, except you're trying to avoid rings instead of collect them. And it's so also, imagine it's all spike bombs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's all to a uh, drum bass soundtrack um which is super good and every, every move is really tight and it really matches the the music as you're playing through it so the the game itself isn't particularly deep i think there's like five levels so it really feels much more like a, a mobile game you can see why it's suited to that kind of more like a super hexagon or something mm. um but it's super super fucking hardcore and the music's really good if you like drum bass anyway but drum bass has so much going on, like the different layers of it, that it works really well for a game that's about mm. both the beat and yeah. the like uh, shifting around to yeah, shifting around yeah. to the beat and like trying to like you can you can so you can move left and right, but you can also shoot a little laser thing to mm-hmm. hit certain targets, and that normally fires off separate notes. So you're kind of moving in time with the with the beat, but then suddenly it'll drop like a big bassy thing and make you kind of go all the way around, <laughs> <laughs> like all the way up on the sides, but kind of like, no 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 no, you know. <laughs> It's yeah. really good fun. Uh, super hardcore. Sounds like the best Sonic game from the last 20 years. Yeah, it's like Res <laughs> and Super Hexagon and Sonic 2. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really liked it. It was also really cheap. It was I like, I bought it my PS4. When you accidentally for purchased England. it. <laughs> when I accidentally purchased it. <laughs> for four pounds. It's probably like seven bucks or something. I don't know. But I recommend giving it a go. It's, it's really good. Cool. Nice. Cool. If I had a PS4, oh, I have every other system that it's available for, I think, other than Android. Wii U. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. Like, you basically, as you're going through it, you if you get it wrong, once you die and you have to start again, the whole song. Um, but there's a practice mode. Like, it really requires you to memorize certain moves. Like, it's really, really tight. Um, which is why it kind of reminded me of, like, DDR stuff, when you really have to kind of remember... How, or like guitar here where you have to remember kind of shapes that are coming out for certain parts of the song. Um, mm. but in a much more kind of, you know, arcadey left and left yeah. and right kind of way. Um, there's a practice mode though that lets you kind of skip forward checkpoints and, yeah. And stuff. But yeah. It's what's, what's it called again? Cosmophony. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like cacophony. But in the with, cosmos. But with the cosmos. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, you guys want to do some reader mail? Yeah. yeah. Not this week. Oh. <laughs> Too bad, Jake. Uh, Ian writes, predictions from Idle Thumbs 2000. In episode 20, Idle Thumbs 2000, released in (laughs) February 2009, reader (laughs) Elliot Centrella asked, in 2015, what percentage of gamers will care about game criticisms and academic questions such as ludonarrative dissonance? (laughs) The predictions were, these were clearly very serious predictions. (laughs) Wow. The predictions were as follows. Nick, 32%. (laughs) Chris, 100%. Jake. 2015 is in the future. Um, you know, I um, I don't think that any of us are really qualified to answer eight people. <laughs> Chris suggested they use the Price is Right rules and return to the question in 2015. So what's the verdict? Which thumb has won this showcase showdown? Additionally, do you have any predictions for 2021? 
What was the original Nick question? Nailed it. 33%? Uh, I think Nick is the closest. <laughs> oh, really? I was going to say nine people. <laughs> uh, the question was... Um, yeah, do you think Do you think we're really closer to 32% of all gamers caring about little narrative dissonance or closer to nine people or eight people, whatever yeah. it is? Yeah, you're right about that. I just, I'm just judging from Twitter, which, I, again, is a okay. smaller so, point. Oh, so we're talking about closest without going over? It's got to be me. That was correct. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, in, in, in your Twitter feed... Well, one hundred percent. If it's is is prices right, closest without going over. Is that how that works? I think it is without going. Then over. Then you've yeah. lost so for I've sure. Lost. Yeah, I guarantee you lose. Um, it's funny that I said one hundred percent, and then I was the one who who suggested prices. Right <laughs> 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 kind of shot yourself in the foot on that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's how much you care about ludonarrative dissonance. Let's just declare Nick the winner. What yeah. percentage of Mad Max Fury Road filmgoers will care about whether that movie is feminist or not oh, in God. 2015? Oh, Lord. That's the question I was 12%. actually answered, and I was right, 100% of Twitter users. <laughs> of, t- of Twitter users, <laughs> yes. yes. I was probably right Great. when it comes to uh, calls without going over of actual audience members. Actual. <laughs> <laughs> um, 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 um. Mad Max, hell of a film. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I did, too. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Adrian? I also liked it. <laughs> I have not I'm seen seeing it, it again Ooh. tomorrow. Oh, yeah? That's how much I enjoyed I'm it. Man, so am I. <gasps> Me Holy too. Holy shit. What? Where at? Are we all going to see this? I'm not going to tell people where. So they'll show up. At Kanye may show up in movie. two weeks to that location. <laughs> Kanye will both, show up. Are you both seeing it again just because you liked it so much? I am. Yeah. I'm seeing it again because I mean, a friend of mine people, liked it enough but... that he wanted to go see it. And then I said, oh, I, I, I will also go see it. That's cool. Because I, I did like it a lot. It I saw it at a preview screening with a whole bunch of, like, an entire biker club had been invited. <laughs> and they were all, like, right behind me. Some people were actually, like, cosplaying for sure. And some people were like, that is, leather yeah. is, like, how they do. It's just your how they do, which is really awesome. And they were super enthusiastic. And they all and stormed was, out. They saying, were so how dare happy. this ruin how dare this, <laughs> this American action cinema <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of the most ideal audience to watch that movie with it was really it was like extra special because of them I thought. that's cool yeah anyway <laughs> uh, Adrian Mills writes hi thumbs a couple weeks back you were talking about unintentional humor in games I thought I'd share one incident from the PS2 version of Half-Life Half-Life on the PS2 is okay but it had a split screen deathmatch mode in it for two players I can't remember what characters you could play at but you could definitely play as Gordon Freeman However, what they hadn't bothered to do was animate the faces in any way whatsoever. <laughs> what this meant is that my friend and I would load it up, put it on deathmatch, run the characters together, and whoever was controlling Freeman would beat the other player to death with a crowbar. <laughs> the sight from the person getting beaten was a, was a dead-faced, spectacled man with a never-changing expression slowly beating him to death with a crowbar. <laughs> oh my God. We found this hilarious because it was so incongruous to the rest of the game. No, it's not! <laughs> <laughs> it's not! That is okay. I gotta that stop this email right there because that is exactly... Thumbs canonical Yeah, no, view that... Of... <laughs> Spoiler, I'm sorry. That was a creative choice by Valve that was correct because that is what everyone sees when Gordon Freeman is beating them to death with a crowbar is an expressionless, unchanging face until their eyes go dark. Like, his eyes were dark the whole time. Like, there's no way... There's, He's a broken like, man. You think Gordon's face fucking moves? No. Yep. Incorrect. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's Jason Voorhees. <laughs> uh, he, other, he also offers making the 1500 meter runners run out of stamina on Virtua Athlete on Dreamcast never gets old as they would basically become silent movie style mannequins trying to run. <laughs> anyway, keep up the good work. Adrian Mills, Lincoln, England. Oh, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. Greg Knight writes, where's that Zoltan machine? 
Hi, guys. While joking about Broken Age being, quote, too big on iPad, you wondered where the Zoltan – that was – we were kidding about that, by the way. Uh, you wondered where the Zoltan machine from the movie Big is today. It's in the lobby of the Falcon Theater in Burbank, a small performing arts space founded by Gary Marshall. And now you know, Greg. Oh, Zoltan. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. We can go We can all big. visit it. Yeah, it's close by. We can all be big. Well, we'd all just become old. <laughs> really <laughs> Can't old. Can't we be 13 again? Doesn't it work in reverse? Uh, no. Oh. That would be small. Tom Huber, right? God, that movie's been pitched. That Sequel. movie has been pitched for sure. Oh, yeah. Of Tom Hanks' character actually grown up and having his just oh. like, you know, Sofia Coppola midlife, like directed by Midlife Crisis, and then he becomes a child. Mm-hmm. That's, be... That script has been written on spec a million oh, yeah, times. Definitely. I never picked oh, up. Are you sure? Small. Yeah. There's so, got to be like 30 of those. It's time to resubmit it. 30 small. <laughs> yes. Tom Huber writes, Hey Thumbs, I'm ex- I've experienced a new Tetris effect this week I thought you might find amusing. After playing a few hours of Crypt of the Necrodancer, I felt compelled to continue to always perform an action to the beat of whatever song was currently playing. <laughs> Link on my phone doesn't load fast enough? Press back. Reading a tweet? Keep scrolling up and, st- and down slightly to keep up with the tempo. <laughs> it didn't last too long, but it was quite entertaining. Keep up the good pods, Tom Huber. Nice. I've definitely experienced that kind of thing, oh, for yeah, sure. I those. Yeah. Spaff is still actually playing Cosmophony in his brain. <laughs> I think I think he might be. Man, that game, it beat the shit out of me. <laughs> it's really With its odd. beats? With, oh, man. Beat match the shit out of me. <laughs> um, Chase B- uh, Bacot writes, uh, Hey, Thumbs, just wanted to send along word that the use of diegetic sounds adds to the already insane Mad Max film. I know Chris has talked in the past about how much he likes diegetic sound, and while there's also a great use of non-diegetic, the cre- creativity and outlandishness of this works super well, I think. Not sure how much you guys are into this sort of film, but I felt the need to pass it along. Um, yeah, that's a really... Talking specifically about, like, the Guitar Man? Or, I, that's like, what I'm wondering, yeah. Because the Guitar so, Man is the most so, extreme yeah. example yeah, of that. Yeah. So, like, just to clarify what we're talking about here, diegetic sounds in a movie or a game or whatever is... That's audio that is actually from the world itself as opposed to, like, a soundtrack layered on top. Um uh, and yeah, so I guess he's talking about like the crazy bungee guitar guy <laughs> whose guitar is like part of the musical score of the movie, but also is like being yeah. There's like by a him. guy on an electric guitar, like, and whenever he gets close to the camera, he just happens to also be playing along in a way that right. just also pumps up the soundtrack. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's always amazing. man. He's good. He's the bikers good. in the audience behind me kept saying, "Hey, Nathan." So they either knew this guy. Like the actual dude, or he reminded the them of their friend who they're making fun exactly of. Exactly like their friend. Yeah. Well, that that the person playing that role is like a known Australian like burlesque person. That's Cold Nathan. I think the name is Iota, and like I saw this movie with uh, with my fiance and also our two friends who are Australian, um, and oh, they nice. like yeah. both like when when that person was credited in the credits, they were like yeah, like they both they knew got excited. Who it was yeah. Well, that's pretty. The character's cool. name I think was. Uh, the doof like something the doof, something oh, the doof yeah that's like that. i mean that's kind of perfect for like immortan joe oh, and furiosa yeah. And- but yeah speaking of <laughs> actually speaking of that if you see this movie it is worth staying through the credits at least to just see the name of every single yes. character in this movie all of the characters in this movie almost all the characters in the movie are individually named and they all have fucking insane yes. hilarious names yep. it's yes. really really good really that wonderful. guitar guy i mean the just that guitar guy made all of all of Mad Max Fury Road remind me of Brutal Legend 300 times oh, more yes, than anything absolutely. else did. Yes, definitely. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously Brutal Legend is informed 
by the aesthetic of the earlier Mad Max movies, but then having just this huge rack oh, yeah. of amps with uh-huh. a swinging guitar man. Oh, man. Oh, also, yeah. they built that for real. Yeah, I know. They built the whole thing, including That's the flames incredible. and like the amps were real and amplified the guitar. Uh, yeah, on an actual vehicle that yeah, drove. Being on yeah. set for that would be really entertaining to me to hear oh, yeah. just a guy wailing on a goddamn yep. guitar driving around in the desert. Yes. Anyway, I have one last Mad Max detail, mm-hmm. other than the fact that it's an awesome movie that I loved. Uh, Spaff's gonna hate the, it. I can tell. I, <laughs> the the I, no spoilers, but the older woman towards the end, she had mm-hmm. seeds and stuff. She did her own stunts, and she's seventy four, and it's Melissa Jaffer. Farscape actress, in fact. She's one of the main actresses from uh, the fourth season of Farscape. And I got very excited about that. Nice. Just want you all to know. Got to do Farscape rewatch. That's right. Yes, I'm going to. It's happening. Nice. Me and Melissa Jaffer, we're going to make it happen. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What else do we have? I think I've ever seen that show. I have not either. (sighs) Maybe Uh, I have. I think. I want you to. Is that the weird Jim Henson one? Yes, it is. It's an Australian. I, I have Jim, seen Henson. It was a co-production between Henson and like whoever huh. else, and well, other Jim people, Henson, and it was Henson. an Australian show actually, which is why every actor in it was Australian except for the one American dude. And uh, yeah, Henson did the puppets for it. Hmm. Yeah, and I have seen bits of it. Um, Senkis writes, "Hey, thumbs. Recently, with the leak about Fallout Four and the crazy events surrounding Silent Hills and Konami, I got to wondering why game development is so guarded." In the movie industry, you hear about movies being made years out, often before anything's even set in stone. Why, in comparison, is the video game industry afraid of development news getting out before they're ready to tell it? An example that comes to mind is Firewatch. On the podcast a few months before the reveal of the game, Jake jokingly said the name of the game and it was bleeped out of the podcast. He later joked about saying the name of the game again, to which he was met with a don't you dare sort of response. (laughs) What would it have mattered if we knew you guys were working on a game called Firewatch at the time? I don't mean to pick on Sean, Nick, or Jake, so I'm sorry for choosing... Your game as the example. Nick didn't work on Firewatch. Uh, but having just recently <laughs> listened to the entire Thumbs catalog, it was something that came to mind. Obviously, this happens every year with Activision trying their best to pretend there's not a new Call of Duty in the works. Meanwhile, in the movie industry, we knew that Mad Max Fury Road has been kicking around for a decade and a half, and it was no big deal. Anyway, I was curious to hear the podcast take on this. Thanks for reading, Matt Huster. <laughs> it's tough because, I mean, on one hand, it is dumb and not worth bothering to try and control that sort of stuff. But on the other hand, for certain types of announcements, you're just going to get a more propulsive response if you bottle it up and release all the information at the same time. Like, if if the name of the game even comes out and people write a story saying, oh, these guys are making a game called Firewatch, and then when you give your big info dump, they'll be like, more information on Firewatch released is the headline, instead of... New game announcement, here's assets for it. I mean, and mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's true. I don't think it always matters, but I, it also isn't, there is, there's not no reason for, for holding information, I think. So why is the film industry so different then? Uh, I don't know. Do you think? Is it because they kind of advertise they're making a thing and then look I, for I think people be- to work on it? And I think it's because, money? well, okay, I, I don't know, I'm not going to say this is the reason, but I think a big reason is because film is, at least when we talk about, like, larger budget films um, that need a mass audience to succeed, they're aiming for such a broader, bigger Mm. section of just the world population than games are. So like you can say everything you want about every movie you're making for the next decade. 
and 99% of the people who are going to see your movie are going to have no idea until you start buying TV ads and yep. radio ads and magazine ads and everything true. else. And Whereas think- in games, a much higher percentage of the people who's who are ultimately going to buy your thing are like obsessively reading IGN and Kotaku yeah. and like all these things. And because of that, the way that the press covers games is different than the way the press covers film. And mm-hmm. the, the audience – like Entertainment Weekly is not going to write a huge story about a film until it is done and out and you have – infinite assets and can give them or all the stars a couple months out or yeah right. when it's like yeah. when it's in its launch window whereas yeah you'll burn all of your like ign or kotaku interest with your early announcements and then they won't talk about you until you're done so you have to actually be careful with what you put out because the press and the audience are so just like all consuming of this information it ends up making the information itself valuable unless you don't mind just always having a slow drip going but for at least, and I guess for the specifics of the game that we're working on right now, since it's a single-player game with a fixed amount of content, we also just don't want to constantly un- unleash stuff. If you're making Nuclear yeah. Throne or, you know, Don't Starve or something like that, fine. Or Prison Architect, you know, a game that is infinitely replayable. You could just talk about it whenever because you're always picking up new people. You're always changing your game. Your game is always different, whereas ours is like a movie in its con- in the you know it's a fixed content single player experience but we're delivering that content from a marketing standpoint to the same audience that is just this all consuming really hardcore fan base it makes it really tough and it's a thing we actually talk about a lot as yeah. far as what to do and what not to do and mm-hmm. are we making the right choice also i don't know there's a million ways you could do it and we just happen to pick and this also, method yeah yeah it's true it's it's a very tough thing to to figure out and um i Part of the question, I mean, I, I wonder if the question is entirely, he's a wise game development, so secretive. And I, I wonder if part of it has to do with, um, oh, oh yeah, the process part. Like uh, this is pro- maybe not what the person was asking about, but one thing I, I saw today was, um, a piece on Polygon about, uh, the Castlevania guy, uh, Igarashi, mm-hmm. his, his bloodstained Kickstarter, which is his sort of, you know, Castlevania like game that, that, that he's making. Um, and they asked for $500,000. Um, the actual budget of the game is $5 million, 90% of which he said he was, he would have been capable. He already like was planning on getting through publishing sources or other funding sources. Um, but the game, you know, they asked for 500,000 unless you like drill down and like go find interviews with him and read quotes and stuff. Like it just kind of looks or like really scour the information that's available most people are just going to look at that and be like, $500,000, great. Oh, man, they raised five times that. This is amazing. Um, and that's there's there's been a, a weird effect with the with what you have to the, – the kind of game you have to play in terms of what you can ask for on Kickstarter to not look presumptuous or greedy versus what you actually need in order to make the game that you're trying to make. And I think the result of this is that people have really, really, really skewed ideas about what game budgets are. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, and and like I I don't I don't know if this is that relevant to the person's question, but it just made me think about how incredibly how, how incredibly off the like perceptions of game development are to realities of game development, and how incredibly difficult it seems to be to um, bridge that gap. I mean, Double Fine. Um, did the whole Double Fine Adventure documentary, which is like definitely by far one of the best, probably the single best, just like look into kind of large scale or like mid scale game development that anyone's ever 
published in its kind of it just comprehensiveness and and you know like, it doesn't seem it seems like Double Fine Adventure because they were so open and because of that like Double Fine Adventure feels the specific problems that they encounter and the specific solutions they choose are unique to that game. But it like but they're it, not totally outrageous, right? But I think the specifics of Double Fine Adventure's like problems and pitfalls and you know roadblocks that they have have kind of painted it as oh that's what a troubled production looks like. Mm-hmm. It's actually just what game production looks like. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, you know, it's totally true. It's exactly um, true. And was, like yeah. the one of the you know a because they announced it. This actually does connect to the person's question because the game was announced before. There was even a plot development started going on. It made it seem like development took forever, whereas in reality, it took totally took a normal amount of time yep. for a game of that scope, like a completely normal amount of time. It felt like it was really delayed, but like that's one reason not to tell people about your game early, yeah. because if you take the normal amount of time it takes to make a game, people are going to think it's taking forever, whereas in reality... It's just that people usually don't tell you until it's a year and out. I actually want to jump back to Firewatch for half a second because oh, sure. I think Firewatch being used as an example of a game being secret is also maybe a little bit funky because – sorry, over the course of talking about this, I have thought back to why we didn't say anything until we did. And the other big thing, at least for me personally, and I can't even speak for the whole team, let alone for all of game development, but for me, I wanted to wait – um, I think we all actually. I will speak for other people because I think we all wanted to wait until we talked about Firewatch in any way in public until we had enough of a game built that we could put something out that would let people, that would give people context for everything else that we wanted to talk about in regards to Firewatch. Mm-hmm. Because our team really does, we we've actually I think been really open with our development. We don't put big marketing drops out, but we have a development blog that is updated at least once a month at its best times closer to once every couple of weeks that is sharing all sorts of code and in progress level art and concept art and people talking about the process of making the game. But it was actually really painful early on in production because we wanted to put all that stuff up on the blog, but we realized that there would actually be no point when people had no idea what the game actually was or what they were looking at. If you're like, look, this is a tree from our upcoming game. Our game is called Firewatch and it's about a guy with a radio. People would be like, I don't know why I should care about this tree. But if we held off long enough till we could put together a trailer, have a logo, be able to speak to the game and show a representative chunk of it, from then on, whenever we put – like then we were like open the gates. Anyone on the team can put a blog up about whatever they want because we knew that anyone who stumbled across our site because they had seen Firewatch in the press or because they were really enthusiastic about it because they ran across it on Twitter would have – the lens of that like consolidated initial marketing push through which they could see all of the really gross sort of half built in progress stuff that we put in the dev blog. Whereas if you don't say this is this finished little window over here is what all of this junk on the blog is, is aiming for. <laughs> I don't think that it lets people have the window through which they can sort of appreciate the mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask if, if the secrecy is sort of a, a legacy thing from the days where, all of the tech, every single house had their own engine, their own technology, their own like entirely different way of making a game. And those were considered like trade secrets. I think that's part of it. And I also yeah. like game studios also just used to be a lot more secret. Like I think Valve yeah. is the craziest example of this in kind of both directions, but still yeah. secretly also really old school. <laughs> Cause like yeah. Valve forever was just like silent entity with one little gif on their homepage of the guy with the socket coming out of the back <laughs> of his head. And then every now and then they would be like, a new game will appear 
and then it just appeared, and then they would just go silent again. And you're like, what? What was that? You just amazing thing came out of nowhere. And I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of studios were like that for a long time, yeah. where it's like, other than the magazine preview that you'd get, you'd get nothing. And then it felt like Valve opened up for a while, but now it feels like that is like somehow turned inside out on itself, where they're just completely impenetrable again. But mm. um, yeah, it, people, there's a culture of secrecy for sure, yeah. but there's also a huge culture of openness and of just sharing all sorts of stuff. It just it's, it's what tier of the industry you're probably in at this point a lot. I yeah, imagine. and I, I mean, I think people also just have to think about what's the correct move for their project because yeah. you still are managing the reality of this huge but also incredibly focused and, like, kind of content-addicted audience and the press that you have and sort of are you, like, how do you release things for really people who are really excited about your game already versus how do you message things to mainstream gaming press versus like how do you even attempt to get someone like entertainment weekly to cover your game the way they'd cover a movie and it's all it's like it's it's a bunch of crazy stuff you have to consider yeah i think we've really backed ourselves into a weird corner where we're self-perpetuating the same thing (laughs) where it's like we're worried that people will be disappointed so we have to manage expectations by not telling them anything because the game i don't know if you've noticed recently but the games community is crazy (laughs) (laughs) crazy and if you do anything slightly like there's a new game coming out oh we had to cancel it then everyone will go fucking bananas like it's (laughs) stupid so people are really really worried about like managing those expectations we can't tell anyone we're making this until we're sure it's actually going to be made and we know kind of what it's about yeah the the old publisher model and sort of mandated corporate secrecy in that also just did shield this the culture of game fans and even game press from a ton of stuff whereas in the film industry Everyone does announce their production slate years in advance. Like we knew Pixar was making Inside Out and The Good Dinosaur and all these things like forty mm-hmm. years ago or something. So then when they're like, just so everyone knows, Good Dinosaur is not coming out for like three or four years and has a new director. Everyone goes, oh shit! But also whatever, <laughs> you know, come back when you're yeah. you know the eight thousandth version of Spider Man that people have tried to get off the ground or whatever else. Like so like because yeah. those things are announced so much more loudly i think that the film criticism culture and film media culture and even film fans are used to being like yeah oh guillermo del toro is off the eight thousandth project that he was on whereas if you're like you know <laughs> yeah as opposed to guillermo del toro being off off silent hills well, that's what i'm talking oh, yeah. about he's, he's been no, attached to and back. attached no. to and fallen off of like a billion <laughs> movies that yeah. people have been like i'm excited oh i guess it's just not what happens whereas okay. that time it happens in a game it's like so game people tragedy kojima's not with with Konami anymore, a tra- like what? What? Tra- How yeah. dare you? How dare you? Like revolt, consumer revolt. Like whereas, like the biggest like genre fans and the biggest HP Lovecraft fans in the world, when they heard that that uh, Del Toro lost the ability to make the Mountains of Madness for like the third time at Universal or whatever, like man, that's the breaks. That's how the film industry works. <laughs> but it, it's yeah, it's just so different. Yeah, just different worlds. Yeah, uh, I, think I have to. Oh, you got to take off. Oh, you got to take off. Sadly. Maybe we should just off? end it. You guys want to just... I can, I can leave, or we, you can end it. Why don't we all leave? Okay. Do Chris, all of it? Do you want to not leave, Chris? Do you want to hang out? Can do that I want to do whatever you guys want to do. I, I want to stay. I just have to go see you tomorrow, then. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. A Thanks movie. for the podcast, everybody. Yeah. Have a great night. Bye. Bye, Danielle. Bye. Chris, do more reader mail. Okay. See you next week. Um, see ya. Alex Lovendahl writes, Hi, Thumbs. I've started listening through the Idle Thumbs backlog. And in the first episode, the first Idle Thumbs thesis is the concept of someone who only buys a game once every two, one or two years and only plays that one game. This extends to include one of your brothers who only played Free Space. Other cited examples include Elder Scrolls Oblivion, Counter-Strike, Peggle, and Zuma. 
Weirdly, we've come for a cir- full circle on the subject with loads of reader mail on people finding this game. I'm a person who listens to two or three gaming podcasts a week and keeps up with multiple gaming news sites. These days, I find myself pretty much just playing Spelunky, Hearthstone, and a couple of phone games. My girlfriend keeps up as well, but she pretty much just plays Towerfall, style-savvy trendsetters, and Animal Crossing. And my friends who I used to invite to my podcast Game of the Year deliberations pretty much just play League of Legends. There's obviously much more complexity to it than that, with games slipping in and out sometimes, but it's pretty common for people who even consider themselves invested in the current state of games to just find their icon game and delve into it deeply. Thanks for the show, and welcome to Spaff, who's been a great new voice. Alex Lovendahl, Madison, Wisconsin. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a thing. I think, in fact, it's become, probably going to becoming become more of a thing as mobile games become so omnipresent. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I, I see people play mobile games on the, you know, on the plane and on the bus and so on at a much higher rate than, than I would have ever seen them play like Game Boy games or DS games or, or PSP games in the past. And, you know, like almost always they're playing games that kind of look the same and they're just sort of things you do to pass the time. Um, and I'm sure there's like cool, interesting stuff in there. But in general, it seems like ga- uh, games for a lot of people, probably possibly an increasing number of people serve kind of just a like wallpaper kind of function, you yeah. know, where it's like I'm listening to something or like, do you know kind of just killing time right now and uh well kind of like the mentality of like you know i'm just gonna do the crossword on the i'll read the newspaper right and then i'll do the puzzles maybe Mm -hmm. and then i'll leave that alone and then i'll do that again tomorrow like it must be that same i don't know i mean i think it's like if any it's (laughs) this is maybe a i don't know if this actually holds but like to some degree, it's almost kind of just like fiddling with, you know, like if you're yeah. just on the bus, like back before we had all this shit, when you're on the bus, like you couldn't, you could read a book or you could maybe listen to a Walkman and that was about it. But if you, if you're listening to music, you know, if anything to do with your hands, maybe you're kind of drumming along to it or you're, you know, just kind of like fiddling with Doing some pocket. origami. Like, do- or I like- <laughs> I just mean like, you know, people, I think a lot of people like to just sort of keep themselves occupied in a very low intensity way um and i think that that's what games are probably serving for a lot of people at this point Uh, i mean i think including some of the people that this this person is talking about you know i mean i um when i was doing the spelunky daily challenge every day i definitely well the daily challenge is a little different because you really want to focus on that because you only have one one chance but like but definitely playing non-daily challenge spelunky just kind of do it you know, like it's just kind of there. Like once you've played enough of that game, it's just like, oh, but is it, I guess it's that thing of when you come home and you like, whatever you load up steam and you look at your huge library of ever towering, growing right. games. And then you're just like, yeah, just play Spelunky. I could just play Spelunky. But there's like something, you know, something familiar, mm-hmm. yeah. something well, you're like, you don't have to bother learning a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a, I, I kind of don't like that. <laughs> I mean, I do it <laughs> sometimes, you know, like everyone does, but I kind of, it kind of grosses me out when I reflect on it. You know, because it's just like time that just gets sucked You're away. You're paranoid then... about about that, though, about using time in a way that is not well, like these days benefiting I don't have your to life. Worry about it because I literally have no time. I don't. Yeah. There's no. So if you ever play Spelunky, you actually play it for like five minutes, then your eyes refocus on the screen and you just scream and turn <laughs> it off. I mean, I guess, I guess, the t- I guess, I do that. With, I guess the actual thing for that for me is the New York Times crossword. The actual what you were saying, literally yeah. the New York Times crossword. I do that every day, and that's definitely. I mean, Friday and Saturday are fucking hard, but like most of the days until that point, I can just kind of do most of the time just sort of without like a huge amount of 
focus and attention paid. I think like games are taking that that space for some people. Like my yeah, mom definitely. plays threes, and that's the only game that my mom right. plays. Uh-huh. And you know that definitely kind of feels like it's mm-hmm. in that place of yeah, it's a churn. Would it's have done like, a little puzzle or something, maybe. Or yeah, like, playing threes is like basically playing Sudoku or something. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you play, Jake? I don't know. Can't remember. <laughs> Can't remember. What does that mean? Just over and over that, again. It means that I don't feel like I have time to even play the game that I play when I'm not doing anything. Ending with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast, Idle Thumbs Podcast. If you like it, uh, rate us on iTunes, please. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we are also at idlethumbs.net/slash idlethumbs. You can find links to all of the places we are on the internet. Tell a friend if you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Have you finished your Twin Peaks rewatch now? Oh, no. We actually are recording the final episode. Well, the podcast on the final episode of the TV show tomorrow. And then we have to, after that, record one about the movie Firewalk With Me. Yes. And the Mad Men? Mad Men is done. It's out. Our final Mad Men podcast was released today. Cool. It's crazy. The final Dota podcast is all. No, that's. (laughs) Who knows? knows This has been the final Idle Thumbs podcast. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, remember that time when we invented that Coca-Cola ad? Bye. (laughs) Bye, everyone.